the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. The Arizona Diamondbacks are clinging on to that playoff spot, and they're doing it on the strength of their pitching? That doesn't sound like the Diamondbacks. I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Alex Weiner. He covers the team at ArizonaSports.com. Uh, yeah, pitching. Not exactly the thing that the Diamondbacks have uh, been lauded for over the last couple of years, and certainly not even at times this season. We've talked about it at length. Two great starting pitchers, not a lot else in the rotation. Uh, they completely revamped the bullpen. Some of it has been hits. Some of it's been misses. But in terms of the last week or two and in the month of September, really, really strong performances out of the bullpen especially. Yeah, yeah. Kind of going over the pitching. You're right. It's sort of we're waiting for the Diamondbacks to have like a week where everything is perfectly clicking. We got a few earlier in the season. But right now the offense has been stumbling a little bit. Starting pitching when it's not. Merrill Kelly or Zach Gallen has been stumbling a little bit, but the bullpen has been excellent, and their top two starters have been excellent, at least their last starts. So, yeah, it's sort of uh, kind of up and down as far as what has been working for this team. But you're right. That's kind of going over and sort of bigger picture with the top two starters, and especially Gallen. We didn't talk since he threw a complete game shutout the first of his career, at least for nine innings against the Chicago Cubs. Big game on the road. He hasn't been as good on the road as he has been at home. He was coming off of, you know, his... You know, worst two-start stretch of the season, and he delivers an absolute gem. He's going to go today on Wednesday against the Mets. And what the Dimebacks have done as far as sort of mapping out where their starting pitching is going to come, they have 16 games going into today's matchup. It seems like that they're going to ride Gallon and Kelly for like eight of them based on where their off days are. So it'll be Gallon and then Kelly to end the Mets series. They have a weekend series against the Cubs where those two are not going to be available, presumably. But then a day off, and then they have two big games against the Giants next week, and that is lined up to be those two, and then you keep going from there. So, yeah, it's 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 been good at the top of the rotation. Um, other than that, you know, Dodgers series and that one start from Gallon with the Orioles, and we can get more into Gallon Cy Young stuff uh, right now, I suppose. But, yeah, they're going to be leaning on those two guys, and this, it's going to be up to them. The Whether they make the playoffs or not is going to is going to be determined by, you know, can they win eight of those— six of those eight games or five of those eight games or seven of those eight games. I remember reading in one of Tony La Russa's books, uh, it was about the 2011 season with the Cardinals mm-hmm. where he really, they had one really good pitcher and that was Chris Carpenter. And then they had a couple of okay guys like Kyle Loge was in there. A couple other guys. Who hurt that year? Um, I don't remember if he was all that great at that point, but yeah, no, it was basically Chris Carpenter's show. And I remember LaRusa said that at the All-Star break, he evaluated where guys were going to pitch. He basically started by placing Chris Carpenter on the last game of the year because he mm-hmm. kind of figured it might come down to that. And so I wonder to what extent the Diamondbacks were able to do that. Now, what you're talking about is a little different. You have two guys you trust, and you're trying to get them in as many times as you can, not necessarily trying to line it up with the end of the season. They well, might have done that, too. I- I'm sure they have one of those two guys lined up for the end of the season because, I mean, Tori Lovello has said this multiple times throughout the year that their season could come, is going to come down to the 162. And look, they're going into today's mat, uh, action. They are one game ahead of the Cincinnati Reds who own the tiebreaker over them. The Marlins also own the tiebreaker over them. The Giants right now own the tiebreaker over them, but they have two games. And if the Diamondbacks win those two games, then they'll take it right back. But they have to be a game ahead of these teams. And so, yeah, and the end of their season comes down against the Houston Astros, which is not easy. But at the same time, we don't know what the Astros will be playing for. They could be playing 
for the division. They could be playing to keep a wildcard spot. They could be locked under their spot. It's, and it's also funny because Brent Strom mentioned this like a couple of weeks ago where he envisions their season coming down to like Kyle Nelson coming in late in a game to face Jordan Alvarez with two runners on and two outs. And that's like, you know, that could be what comes it what it comes down to. So, yeah, there's there's very little room for error at this point. Houston currently sitting in first in their own division, but they're only two games up on the Texas Rangers um, who are in the second wildcard spot. The Seattle Mariners are also half a game behind the Rangers. So that division, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that could change there, and Houston could be playing for very important reasons, or if they start to pull ahead. I mean, I think we said it last week as well. You, you should be an Astros fan kind of on the side right now <laughs> if you're the D-backs. Don't lose us another game the rest of the season <laughs> until the final right. week Just of the year. Get to that point so that we can focus in on that series. But yeah, uh, Diamondbacks, you put it really well. The Diamondbacks are currently sitting in the third wildcard spot, even though they took three of four from the Cubs. The Cubs are still two up on them for that second wildcard spot, which I guess is still attainable if you're the D-backs. They play each other next. Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely attainable at this point. Cincinnati's a game back of Arizona, Miami, and San Francisco a game and a half each. You mentioned two games. In about a week from now, they play two games against San Francisco. Um, and then the lowly uh, San Diego Padres, they always baffle me. They're sitting eight games back in the Kind of race. unrelated, but I saw a chart that somebody made of like what if every single one run game this season was flipped what the standings would look like and it's like the Dodgers and Padres would be battling for first place in the National League San Diego would be much higher oh because they're they're horrible in one run games I think they're six and 22 at least last time I checked they were six and 22 what's interesting about that list is that the Diamondbacks would basically be in the exact same spot that they are in now Hmm. While like teams like the Reds and the Marlins would fall off pretty significantly, teams like the Cardinals and the Padres would jump up significantly, the Diamondbacks would be kind of exactly where they are. So if you're looking at like run differential and one run game records and all that kind of stuff as far as like dissecting where a team actually is versus some of the outcomes, the Diamondbacks are kind of where they should be. To go back to that Gallon game where he pitches a complete game, it's a it's a shutout. Mm-hmm. He only gave up three hits, struck out nine. Clearly, the best performance of the season in my eyes. Um, it's kind of unusual in a couple of ways. Number one, it's coming off of your two worst your your worst two game stretch as a starter of the season, like you mentioned. But also, too, Zach Gallon does not go nine innings. I mean, he doesn't no. get a lot of these opportunities where Tory gives him the ball and says, "Hey, you keep it." He had you, never you done it to the career. end. Yeah, it's, I mean, looking at just this season, I mean, typically when he gets to the six, seven inning mark, that's about it. And so to see him go not only eight innings and then possibly throw a closer out there, they let him go the full nine. That seems like a statement in and of itself that, hey, we don't just need you to get right. We need you to know that we're relying on you to be this if we're going to be a playoff team. Absolutely. They have to ride these two guys. I mean, they have to absolutely lean on them to go as far as they can. And part of that was Gallon was super efficient in that game. The fastball was working really well. He was getting out of innings relatively quickly. So he didn't. He wasn't like going into the ninth inning with 105 pitches. But at the same time, they had a choice to make because he walked the second batter of the inning. Um, that could have been the time where they go to the bullpen because he was up at around 100 pitches, I think a little over 100 pitches at that point. But that's sort of a statement as far as like where you know, what the mindset is for like Tori Lovello in that dugout when those, you know, top two guys are going out there and they look as good as they do. Even if they're up over 100 pitches, they got to lean on them. And, and, you know, obviously that's been conventional baseball wisdom for forever. But today it's a little bit different. And with this team specifically, it's been a little bit different. But, you know, if Gallon goes out against the Mets and he's at 100 pitches going into the eighth inning, but he's looked terrific. 
are they going to let him go and finish the eighth inning and then turn it over? Like, what what is that going to continue to look like? Because in one game, that's sort of the messaging that they sent, but at the same time, I don't know how they're going to manage this continuously. It seems like they'll lean on him, but um, that's something that we'll have to continue to monitor. Uh, let's talk about the bullpen a little bit, because mm-hmm. I look at Paul Seawald's numbers as the closer of the Diamondbacks, and while, yes, he's pitched in 13 games and he's got 12 saves, it can't be all bad, right, if that's the case. Um, however, when you dig a little deeper, it's the 3.86 ERA is fine. The 1.71 whip is not good. He's walked guys at a at a higher rate. The strikeouts aren't plentiful. I mean, they're fine. So Seawald is getting the job done sufficiently, I think is the case. But so many other relievers have made a great case for themselves in just the past two weeks. Kevin Ginkle has been great all season long. Uh, they've gotten really good performances out of you know newbies like Saul Frank as well. And so the bullpen really starting to shine at a time when it's most imperative. Yeah, it's keeping them in this. I mean, it's it's not like an overstatement to say like when on the starts that you're not getting that kind of length out of and they haven't really. I mean, think of uh, the series opener against the Mets this week where Zach Davies struggles early, doesn't give you length by the fifth inning. He's out. They were able to bridge the gap together to basically shut down the Mets offense, come back and win that game late. Um, and that's not something we've seen all season from this bullpen. But right now, it seems like the way that they're using everybody makes sense. Uh, and they're getting a lot of great performances. I mean, you mentioned Saul Frank, three scoreless outings so far for him. Ryan Thompson, who the Rays kicked to the curb, has been really terrific for them in a limited role. Ginkle's been terrific as the eighth inning guy. He mentioned Seawald. Yeah, the yeah. I think uh, Mike Fitzgerald was just on the radio, and they they, they described it as the Paul Seawald experience, which is not something that is necessarily ideal. But he's getting the job done. Um, it's funny. Have you seen that meme where it's sort of like Kevin Cash like crying about like all these different analytics, and then it's just Tori Lavello next to him being like, "Lol, it's time for Paul Seawald to pitch or something like that," because like the <laughs> peripherals haven't been there. He's walking a ton of guys. A lot of guys are getting on base, but at the end of the day. He's been getting the job done. So, you know, you brought in a closer to be in high leverage situations and get outs when they need to, and he has, even if it hasn't been pretty. So everything's sort of falling into place. And the bullpen right now, I think it's been as good as it's been all year. Going to last night's game, uh, over the previous seven games, they had a 1.47 ERA. That was the best in the major leagues during that stretch. And then in yesterday's game, you know, again, not a long start for Ryan Nelson. They have to go to the bullpen early. And a solo shot in the eighth inning by Francisco Alvarez off Scott McGuff was the only run that they gave up. So, again, it's it's been needed because they need, like, a lot of these different areas to kind of work in tandem. And when they don't, they have to lean harder on the on one over the other. They've been leaning on this bullpen recently, and it's been working, which has not been the case the entire year. We talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about the expectations and whether or not this team is going to call up top prospect Jordan Lawler. They did that. They did it a little later than I anticipated, but they did it nonetheless. Small sample size. He's only got 13 at-bats, but Jordan Lawler's off to an incredibly slow start in terms of offensively. I think that he's opened some eyes with his defense, especially in the first couple of games. I thought he made some really fantastic plays. He has shown that he can be a problem on the base paths. He has his first professional steal. He has his first professional hit. Um, but he's one for 13. Is there anything to be concerned about in the role that they're asking him to fill and him so far just not being not being great in the first couple of weeks? 
I mean, there's always concern when you bring up somebody who's 21 years old and throw them into a playoff race. I mean, it's it's that's a lot to put on somebody. He seemed as ready as anybody, given what he was showing at AAA, especially offensively. Um, so far, he's held a, he's held it down on defense. Um, they've taken a little bit of pressure off of him late in games by putting like Perdomo at shortstop and Rivera at third base. Um, but you know, offensively, it hasn't happened yet. It doesn't mean it's not going to. I mean, there's you know scenarios where he's cold for the rest of the season and that's just something that they're going to have to work around and then he comes back next year having made adjustments to major league pitching and he's great there's scenarios where he has like a 10 game hitting streak over the next 10 games and is terrific and then he hits a lull next year when the league adjusts to him it's sort of the back and forth with the young players and with this team relying on so many of them um there's going to be lumps and right now that's what we're seeing from lawler i don't i don't think it's like anything Again, it's only been 13 at-bats, so it's hard to take too many, you know, crazy, you know, takeaways from that. He's swinging and a missing at a, at a few breaking balls. I mean, that's something that we've seen in the minors, too. So I don't know. I don't know if it's enough at-bats to have too many, you know, major takeaways from that. I would just say give it a little bit of time, but ultimately they don't have time right now. So they're going to manage this the way that they best see fit. Two games left against the New York Mets in their four-game series. So far, they've split it 1-1. You mentioned Chicago. They're going to be coming to Chase Field for the uh, homestand that starts on Friday. The Diamondbacks play Chicago on uh, Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, which is something that the team hasn't done in quite some time. All eyes on the Diamondbacks for the first time in a long time, it feels like. May 13th, 2018 against the Washington Nationals. That was at Chase Field. What year was it? 2018. 2018. Okay. Man, so, it has been a while. You know, since it has been a long time, I want to quiz you a little bit because this is a huge game. It's a bunch of different circumstances. That was a May. Uh, that was a May evening game uh, between two teams that had gotten off to really hot starts. Uh, this is could be a wild card defining game depending on how the next couple of days go for both the Diamondbacks and the Cubs. The Cubs lost last night to the Rockies. Both teams have a lot of like excitement with you know, young prospects coming up. Pete Crow Armstrong just yeah. came up for the Cubs. He was their top prospect. We talked about Lawler. Um, so very different circumstances. But I was curious how many of the Diamondbacks starting nine, there's no DH, could you name from that starting lineup? So this was early 2018. 2018 Diamondbacks. I'm going to embarrass myself with this, uh, this quiz. All right, so 2018 would have been after they traded Goldie, right? Was that 18 or, or was that 17 or 19? Uh, I feel like that was. They traded Paul Goldschmidt going into the 2019 season. That was in 19. Okay, so Goldie's in the lineup. Correct. Jake Lamb? Is he in He's the not lineup? in the lineup, no. Was he on the team that year, though? Yeah. I feel like. Okay, so he just got a day off? Man, the one guy I picked. Um, <laughs> Cattell's in that lineup? Cattell is in that lineup. The only remaining player from the current team. Yeah, he has to be. Um, let's see. Playing shortstop, too. Oh, interesting. They were running out a bunch of different catchers around that time, I feel like. So Carson Kelly's not there yet because they haven't made that trade. Um, so depending on the pitcher, too, because I feel like... I'll tell you the starter was Zach Godley. All right, so it's probably not Jeff Mathis around that time. Uh, this is after Chris Iannetta, I would think. Gosh, I don't know. You got me on catcher. Okay. Um, that was Alex Avila. 
Alex Avila. Oh, this was around the time that Gambo was just begging them to cut bait with Avila. So you have um, the outfield, third base, and second base. So if Cattell's playing short, Nick Ahmed's not in the lineup. No. And that's not very helpful because he's like the longest tenured player on the team. Um, Gosh. I haven't named a single person in the outfield. So David Peralta. That's one. Um, Center field would have been... Nick Ahmed came to pinch hit, by the way, in this game. Right. Varsho's nowhere near the majors yet. No. Um, gosh. No, he'd just been drafted. 2018. Was that the year they traded for... JD was 17, so Martinez is not in there. This is after JD Martinez. Gosh, this I don't know. Tough showing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing very good. AJ Pollock? Pollock was still around? Okay. Yep. And Steven Souza Jr. Can you guess the second baseman? What a joke. <laughs> Second base, probably not. Five without Cattell, Chris three. Owings, bingo. I nailed that one. You nailed that one. Okay, Chris Owings yeah. is starting at second because base because there was a weird time where they were trying him in center field, and Owings usually would play short, and Cattell obviously ended up being more of a second baseman in the long run. But I guess he had a center field stint as well. Yeah, and then I have <sighs> one more question for you. Lineup, but based on that, uh, but based on that showing, I don't know how confident I would be. What former Diamondback went yard against them twice? In that game. Former Diamondback for the National went yard twice. Uh, Gerardo Parra? No. Not a okay. horrible guess. He but. played for the Nationals. He, he did. He was on the championship team in, was that 19? Yeah, it was in 19. Um, I don't know. I don't have it. Mark Reynolds hit two home runs back Mark at Reynolds Chase was Field. still around then? Yeah, he was starting okay. at first base for the Nationals. Wow. Yeah, no, that is a game that my, I definitely would not have covered. So the, yeah, those are my uh, my two trivia <laughs> notes for you from uh, the twenty eighteen. Who's the catcher for who for the D backs? Avila. Avila. Oh, sorry, we went over that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a bad lineup. I, I honestly, some they of were twenty four and sixteen, and they won that game. Uh, actually, they lost that. They lost that game six to four. Yeah, I don't love some of these lineups over the last couple of years have been not good. That one, I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> But, but yeah, but now they get to be back on Sunday Night Baseball for the first time since that was the lineup. And so yeah, we'll see and what people watching Sunday Night Baseball will be ecstatic to see some players in their lineup that are... I mean, Paul Goldschmidt's a great player, don't get me wrong, but like, there's not a lot there that people outside of Arizona would be excited to see, I would think. But then you get a game like this where now all of a sudden you get to see Corbin Carroll. Um, do we know who's starting on Sunday? I guess I don't know who that would be. Right now would be lined up for... Nelson? I think it would be Nelson right now, yeah. So because... that's nothing. That, that's not going to draw any any fans, but... Unless they make another move. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the other thing we could talk about, too, Jake McCarthy got called back up. Yeah, uh, that's very notable. Paven Smith goes down. Um, he just really hasn't latched on much at all. That one was always strange to me because it didn't seem like there was an obvious role for Paven. Because... He started, I think, two of, like, 11 games, um, one of which was Christian got hit by the pitch the game before, and then he didn't start, and then he came in afterwards and hit a home run. So, like, that was, like, a start, but he only played, like, five or six innings at first base. So it it just wasn't something – like, and he wasn't going to pinch run. He wasn't going to come in for defense. I mean, they even had a game where it was the game that uh, Corbin left after he got hit by a pitch, and they – kind of got rid of their designated hitter to move Lourdes into the outfield 
because even if Paven Smith was on the bench, but they weren't going to put him out there as a defensive replacement, they'd rather have Lourdes and Tommy Pham at the corners. So there wasn't just an obvious role for Paven at this point with the team that's currently constructed. So that was always a little weird that he took that spot over McCarthy. I guess they wanted McCarthy to find something offensively, which he seemed to have based on the hard contact and the slug that he's been showing over the last couple of weeks. So now you bring in a guy who can pinch run, can come in as a defensive replacement at all three outfield positions, um, and somebody that they hope now has found a little bit more oomph offensively. Yeah, the hard part is getting somebody to continue that hot streak when they're not playing every day, when they're not getting five at-bats every single day. and. Um, I think Jake's up for it. I mean, he's been sent down before and done this and, and, and elevated his game and come back and been a contributor. So absolutely, I have faith that he can do that. I, I just I never understood the move for Paven Smith. I think it was really just a byproduct of them trying to get Jake going in the minors. And so for them, I to think you're bring, probably right. Yeah, yeah. And to bring Jake back makes all the sense in the world. You give him two weeks before the playoffs start. And hopefully you're a playoff team at that point. And hopefully he can contribute in more than one way off of the bench. Absolutely. Um, so the Diamondbacks still holding on to a playoff spot as of today. They're in a tight race, though, and they're going to need as many wins as they can get. For my uh, co-host, Alex Weiner, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Thank you so much for listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah.